Today, it's the episode that everybody has been waiting for. Listeners have been clamoring for this episode. It's likely to be one of our most talked about episodes ever. Today's episode is about... Did you want to laugh, Mitch? Usually you laugh. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it under control. I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm hearing the razzle dazzle. I'm here for it. I'm saying yes and today. Okay. Uh, today's episode is about the glycemic index. <laughs> Sounds pretty fun, huh? Yay. Troy, are you excited? Yeah, I'm pumped. Okay. I think I can already tell this is going to be our number one episode of all time. <laughs> is the um, is the glycemic index something that you had to learn about in medical school, Troy? Oh, if I did, I slept through the lecture. Okay, all right. <laughs> I can't say I can't say I've given it much thought beyond that. Unfortunately, all right, all right. Well, I mean, a lot of people may have heard of the glycemic index, but not really fully understand what it means or how it can impact your health. And essentially. The glycemic index is a ranking system for carbohydrates based on how they affect your blood sugar levels. So foods with a high glycemic index can cause these rapid spikes and crashes in blood sugar levels, which can lead to a range of negative health effects. And also, sometimes it could lead to those crashes that we hear about where you're super tired, don't have energy. So we're going to learn more about the glycemic index, what it is, how it works, and how you can use it to help with your health. Or you might learn it's a bunch of malarkey. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> This is Who Cares About Men's Health with information, inspiration, and a different interpretation of men's health. I bring the BS. My name is Scott Singpill, the MD to my BS, Dr. Troy Madsen. Hey, Scott. Excited to learn about the glycemic index. See what I missed out on in med school. Always <laughs> with his unique perspective. Mitch Sears is on the show. Uh, hey, I still, I, I guess I've never really actually thought about glycemic index, so I'm actually kind of curious. All right. And Thunder Jalili, he's a professor of nutrition and integrative physiology in the College of Health at University of Utah. And he told me this is a good topic, so I'm excited about it. Hey, Thunder. Hi. Hi, guys. Hope everyone's doing well. So one of the things we try to do on this show is we try to, as much as possible, make health simple, because there can be a lot of noise out there telling you, you need to do this, you need to do that, um, while also getting into the nuance when it's necessary. So my first question is, is the glycemic index useful for men when it comes to their health or does it just complicate things? What's your take on the glycemic index? Is it a useful tool? Um, yeah. So glycemic index, it can be moderately useful, but, uh, and I say moderate because I think sometimes people take it to an extreme and the index itself is a little limiting because what it does is it ranks foods based on the amount or based on the effect it has on blood sugar levels. So things like, you know, sugar and like white bread, like make insulin or make glucose levels go higher quickly, whereas something like, you know, nuts wouldn't have as much of an effect. So like it sounds good on the surface, but one of the things that the glycemic index doesn't really consider is the amount of food that you eat or what you mix that food with other things. So I say moderately helpful because it kind of identifies which foods have potential to raise blood glucose levels. But, you know, you have to consider how much you're eating and what else you're eating with that food. So, Thunder, you kind of alluded to it there. But, I mean, I'm like I said, if I had a lecture on this, I didn't pay attention. Like, what is the glycemic index? I, I, I need a starting point here. I'm not even sure. Right. OK, uh, good question. So glycemic index is basically like you 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 give people like like a food, a particular type of food, you know, like an apple or like a piece of white bread or an egg or something. And then you measure their blood glucose response to eating that food. In other words, how 
how high does their blood glucose get? Like how quickly does it get high? Things like that. And you give it a score based on that. And the score goes from zero to like no effect on your blood glucose levels to a hundred, which is a kind of dramatic effect on your blood glucose levels. And, um, I wish I had a table in front of me because I can't remember off the top of my head, like what's the food with like a hundred and like what foods are like have zero, but, but it kind of goes along with your common sense, like foods that have more fiber in them and are unprocessed. Like think of your vegetables and legumes, uh, you know, like, like, like kidney beans, you know, or, or, um, you know, lentils, things like that. These are low glycemic index foods because they're harder to digest. It's harder to get the carb out of it. The fiber slows everything down. So it takes longer for the glucose to get into your blood. And then on the other end of the spectrum, foods that have a high glycemic index, so closer to that index of like 100, say like, you know, 75 to 100, somewhere in that range. These are foods that are loaded with carbohydrates, don't really have any appreciable amount of fiber, they digest very quickly and the glucose hits the blood very quickly. So what are food examples? Like white rice is an example, like Wonder Bread, um, potatoes, like any kind of like soda, like Coke, Mountain Dew, things like that. You know, those are super high glycemic index foods. And then stuff in the middle is things that have some fiber in there, you know, but also some, you know, easily accessible glucose, like, like raisins, um, you know, maybe a whole grain bread as opposed to a white bread kind of more has a medium glycemic index. So you get some of that glucose hitting your bloodstream, um, kind of in a moderate fashion, not super fast, like the high glycemic index ones, but not low, like, like, you know, broccoli, for example. So, so corn, bananas, uh, raisins, I think I mentioned whole grain bread. So does that answer your question, Troy? That's super helpful. Yeah, and, and it makes perfect sense now that you say it. I know we've talked about it before, but yeah, like while you were talking, I just Googled glycemic index chart. And on the left side of the chart, the low end, I'm seeing things like chickpeas, plain yogurt, peanuts. And then on the high end of the chart, I'm seeing marshmallows, donuts. <laughs> <laughs> marshmallows say it's not so. <laughs> I know. That Hard seems to believe. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but makes sense. So is the glycemic index something, my impression is that it is going to be more useful as somebody that has insulin resistance, diabetes, prediabetes, that sort of thing to make sure that they're eating foods. It's not going to cause that insulin response or can it be useful to people that don't have those conditions? I think it could be useful for everybody because foods that tend to have a low or medium glycemic index tend to be the foods that we talk about a lot on this show, like foods that make up the Mediterranean diet, you know, those foods that are common in like a healthy vegetarian diet, right? So, so I think based on that, it can be helpful for anyone. Um, but you just have to remember, this is kind of an artificial index and we do not eat foods in isolation, right? We eat foods in combination and we can vary our amounts. So for example, let's say I, I, I have a cup of cooked broccoli, you know, mm. and I can we eat talk that. about a baked potato instead. I'm getting there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have a cup of cooked broccoli and I eat that. Right. And it's a very low glycemic index food. All right. Let's say I now have one piece of broccoli and I have a cup of potato. So I'm, this is probably more of a high glycemic index meal because even though I have 
the broccoli in there, it's not much, it's a low dose. And the potato, a whole cup, is a higher dose. So that's some of the nuance you lose when you just look at glycemic index. We don't eat just one food in isolation. We mix it. Or one last example. What if like um, I have like a banana, okay, mm-hmm. kind of a medium glycemic index food? Well, one banana has kind of that medium effect. What if I decide to eat five bananas? Now the load from that medium glycemic index food is going to be pretty high and I'll actually have a pretty, you know, uh, more of an effect on my blood glucose levels. So dosage and how you mix, those are two important things. Uh, one spoonful of potato, negligible. 58 spoonfuls of potatoes, big effect. Yummy. That's a lot of potatoes. <laughs> that sounds That's good. Um, so, okay. So let, let's say I love baked potatoes, Thunder. All right. That's and they're, good. they're, this, this, this meal is going to be problematic for a lot of reasons, <laughs> but let's try to focus on the glycemic index in, in part of it. So if I, I'm a ranch kid. So a steak and a potato, a six ounce steak and a baked potato. That baked potato's glycemic index from what I've seen can be anywhere from 85 to 95, which on that hundred point scale is pretty high, right? That means those yeah. carbohydrates are going to get turned into sugar and utilized really quickly. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. The starch okay. gets broken down really quickly into glucose and bam, it hits your blood. All right. But I like to put lots of butter mm. and sour cream on my potato. Does that mm-hmm. slow down? Does that change that glycemic index or that glycemic load? Does it slow down the, the way my body's going to break that down? It could in the sense that um, when you add that fat to it, it slows gastric emptying. So in other words, the potato gets released into your small intestine a little slower, which would slow down the digestive process and the glucose release. And you also, you're throwing that steak in there, right? Yeah. So, I mean, if you're a ranch kid, I'm stunned if you have a six-ounce steak. I always thought it'd be like much bigger. (laughs) Well, I mean, (laughs) I never claimed to be a manly ranch kid. (laughs) It was always the worst. This is a side story. It was always the worst going into the the steak restaurant because they'd have like the the queen size or the king size or the – yeah. The, <laughs> the bowl, you know, and I was always yeah. getting like the princess size, you know, because that's all I wanted. That's all I could eat. That's right. But it was probably a more reasonable amount, really. I mean, if you're thinking about it, right? Yeah. Better than the cardiologist size. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But that affects glycemic index. Even the steak you throw in there, it takes a while to, to you know, um, digest to pass that protein in the steak into the small intestine. Again, that slows gastric emptying. So things like that could moderate the potato effect. Sure, sure. And like I said, there are probably other dietary problematic issues with that, with the amount of butter I probably like in eating that steak. But (laughs) it does, I think that illustrates the fact that it does change things. So for example, if I have dessert after my meal, as, bef- as opposed to before my meal, that dessert would have a high glycemic index, but because I've had a meal and a full stomach, would that slow down? Would that change things? I don't know, because desserts typically have so much sugar in there. The sugar in a dessert, maybe you have a dessert with 30 grams of sugar, 40 grams of sugar. Uh, that's already available and ready to hit your bloodstream pretty much. All right. At least the potato has to be broken down. Like, you know, the starch in a potato has to be broken down into, into, you know, smaller units and eventually the glucose. You don't have that with like chocolate cake. It just has like a ton of sugar. Troy, you know what my takeaway from that comment is? Um, you should eat more stuff to slow down the high glycemic oh, no. index stuff. No, no, because that doesn't work. You should eat dessert <laughs> first. You should well, eat dessert first. Uh, Life is short. Go. There you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or just have a smaller dessert, right? Because I was going to oh, say, okay. dosage. 
amount is also important for glycemic index. I can have one bite of chocolate cake. It's not a big deal for anything. Who does that? It's so That's little. What I, was say, who does I know, that? but just as an yeah. example, right? It's such a high glycemic index food, but I have one bite. It doesn't have any impact. Yeah, or a smaller slice, perhaps. Yeah, so so that's that's the one, like I said, I keep going back to this. That's the one problem with glycemic index. It identifies foods that have the potential to really, you know, play this role on your glucose levels. But there's so much nuance. How much of the food you're eating and how you're mixing it with other stuff. And that's the limitation of, of glycemic index. Here's another problem I have with glycemic index, okay? I'm going to play a little game with you guys. What's going to have a higher glycemic index, a chocolate bar or a baked potato? Troy. Uh, since you're asking the question, the answer is going to be baked potato. No, I'm going to do the opposite, chocolate bar. All right. Um, Wait, how much cocoa? How much cacao? Like, what is the rating? Is it, How dark is it? <laughs> um, so the glycemic index for a milk chocolate bar is 42. If it's dark chocolate, it's 23, which is pretty low. Wow. That's shockingly okay. low, right? Surprisingly sure. low. Well, that dark chocolate bar has fiber in it, too. Oh, okay. A baked potato is 85 to 95. So are you telling me the glycemic index is saying I should eat those chocolate bars before that baked potato? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it also, if you look back at that, you know, wherever you got that data, Scott, what's the um, serving size for the dark chocolate? Is it the whole bar? Is it just like one square that's like five grams or something? Because again, you're talking about how it affects... Yeah. The glucose levels that come into your blood. If you have like five dark chocolate bars, and maybe the load, glycemic load, will be much higher than just like a couple squares off of one bar. All right. The other one that sh- surprised me here is, and you guys are already onto my game, so we don't need to play it, I suppose. Um, a soda or a baked potato. Now the chart I saw is soda is fifty nine, but there again, now I'm learning that we don't have a serving size. That might be an ounce, right? And a baked um, potato a, is 85 to 95. That just seems really strange. I just see here, I, I Googled a glycemic index chart with serving size. Um, the Coke is a 12-ounce serving size. And then what's the carbohydrate? So there's like 40, roughly 40 grams of sugar in a soda. Yeah, and the glycemic index is 58 for one 12-ounce Coke. That makes no sense. The, I would think that that would be so much more likely to cause a blood sugar spike than a baked yeah. potato. Well, let me give you some good news. Okay, Uh, (laughs) please. (laughs) One 12-ounce beer would have a lower glycemic index than Coke. Because I see here, if you have 25 ounces of beer, two cans, the glycemic index is 66. So if you have one can of beer, it's probably a lower glycemic load and probably a better glycemic index. Wow. All right, so we're learning some stuff here. What do I do with that? Does that mean I get to go have <laughs> Does that mean given the choice I should have a beer over a coke? Well, I would I would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> and put butter on that beer. Butter on it. But don't lose sight of the big picture. These are foods in isolation and again we eat stuff that's mixed together. Right? So So what know. is your trend? Yeah, what is your trend? So, you know, if you have if you have like oatmeal with a glycemic index of 58, kind of a moderate glycemic index food, but you're putting, you know, nuts in there uh, that have fiber and fat and, you know, you have an egg with that oatmeal. Now you're talking your whole meal probably has a lower glycemic index. Um, and am I having half a cup of oatmeal or, you know, 10 cups of oatmeal that affects the, the glycemic load. So, just remember, what are you mixing your food with and how much of it are you eating? 
Is a glycemic index useful in, in another way other than just kind of trying to figure out like h- how fast this meal is going to be converted into sugar and what kind of, you know, insulin response I'm going to have, what kind of sugar crash I might have? Yeah, I think one of the things it's useful for is to provide another piece of guidance to, you know, tell us what foods are, you know, more healthy and what foods are less healthy because foods that have a lower glycemic index will have like more fiber. They're typically less processed. And so they, they can be identified by the, the index score and foods on the other side of the scale that have a high glycemic index. Typically they have less fiber. They may be more refined or more processed. So it gives us, it, you know, it, it, it labels those. Um, so maybe don't get hung up on, on the exact number, but you can kind of put foods in grouping, kind of like a low, medium, high, and things that are high say, okay, I'm going to try to not eat as much as those and just focus on the ones that are low and medium and not worry about like the exact number. And, you know, foods in general that, um, you know, we consider healthy that are on the lower glycemic index. I mean, you know, people follow this. It can also like help in weight loss. You know, we haven't really talked about that. Um, like, you know, you look at the stuff that has like high glycemic index foods, you know, like I'm looking at a list right now, like Fruit Loops, um, for example, you know, 69, that also has like a lot of added sugar, you know, kind of any kind of dessert, you know, you eat less of this stuff, you eat less added sugar, you probably end up losing weight for some people. Weight loss also is accompanied by, um, a lower blood pressure. Right. So you get kind of some, some added bonuses. So, so, so it can be a guide in that sense. You know, I'm going to try to pick more of these lower GI foods just because I know those are the ones that will help with weight loss and kind of help long term with overall health. But, but not to get hung up on this food is 50. This food is 54. I cannot eat the 54. I got to go with the 50. You know, don't get that bunged up with the numbers, but use it as a guide. Sure. And it also sounds like if something's low on the glycemic index, I can eat a lot of that. It probably is not going to be a big deal. If it's higher, I probably want to watch my portion size. Very well put. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, Mitch. Yes. So was this the was this the groundbreaking episode that I promised? Oh, I just it's as someone who has like struggled with weight and nutrition in the past, like it it's comforting, I guess, but also frustrating to hear like there is no simple answer. Uh, but at the same time, like, you know, eating more unprocessed things, making sure that it's balanced, making sure that you're getting enough calories every day, et cetera, is maybe more important than following every little thing, every little number that exists out there, whether it be, you know, a point system in some weight scale or the glycemic index or, you know, if it fits your macros, all of those like really number focused uh, things about nutrition, it doesn't necessarily give the whole story. Yeah. So, you know, there's a bit of like comfort in that being like, okay, so this could be a helpful tool, but it is not like a commandment of like how I'm going to lose weight. Um, but you know, at the same time, like it could be really helpful and it just sounds like we're back to unprocessed foods again. Yeah. I think my takeaway is I could, I could get into this game where I'd be like, Oh, I got to pick the lowest foods on there to be as healthy as I can. Right. I, I, I totally could get into that game, but I think my takeaway is it's a good thing to take a look at. It's a, you know, and, and try to try to focus on having a lot in the lower glycemic index in the, in the middle and trying to have fewer, uh, calories that are coming from that upper part. I think it's just, it's just another way to kind of tell how are you doing? And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to play the points game. It's just kind of a general chart of, you know, 
this is going to cause less blood blood sugar spike. This is going to cause more. Troy, take away. Uh, yeah, I'm. I've been interested just because you know, looking at these charts, some of the the foods did surprise me a little bit uh, that are on the higher end. So maybe I'll think a little bit more about those foods. Like for example, cheesy crackers. I guess it makes sense. <laughs> you know, I guess it makes sense that that's on the higher end of like like glycemic index. But I might not have thought as much about that before. So, so that's probably my takeaway. I may think a little bit more about some of these foods uh, that are on that higher end. But it's it's not going to be something I I spend a ton of time changing my diet for. Cheesy crackers. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, um, yeah, and well, that's a great example because. You know, you have a few cheesy crackers, but you have other things, you know, in that snack. And so you think about what you mix your your high glycemic index foods with, and that lowers the overall meal glycemic index. So we can't lose sight of that. Um, You know, it's okay to have some of these things that are high, like like watermelon, like has a high glycemic index, right? Oh, sure. But, you know, that surprised me. But but it's but it's water. It's mostly water. Yeah. So the actual load that your body experiences is quite low because it's mostly water. Um, so so that's why you have to take this glycemic index with a, with with you know a little bit of caution, and just use it as a as a guide. And you know if you want, use it to like mix your foods together so you know your overall load of the meal is moderate or low. But it's just don't think of it just for that one food by itself. So you're saying marshmallows plus watermelon, not a not a yeah. good meal, not yeah, a good like meal. Or cheesy crackers, really. Or cheesy crackers <laughs> with uh, dipped in marshmallow. Yeah, <laughs> a, a, a marshmallow sandwich with cheesy crackers. <laughs> not wise. Oh boy! All right, Thunder, you're our expert. Thunder, you're our expert. Uh, do you have any? I mean, I don't would imagine you had any takeaways because you gave us all the information. But any takeaways from this conversation? Yeah, you know, my takeaway is I use glycemic index as as a as a guideline of, you know, what foods to eat a little less of and what foods to try to emphasize. Um but I don't get I don't get overly hung up on it. Um yeah, so that that's my takeaway. Have you uh, ever experienced what we're talking about? Uh, do you have a question about the food you eat? Have you found a diet claim on the internet that just seems too bizarre to be true and you want to know what's really going on? We would love to hear from you, and you can reach out to us via email at hello at thescoperadio.com. That's hello at thescoperadio.com. Thunder, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, it was a pleasure to be on and talk with you all. And thanks for caring about men's health. 